Hi, everyone. Welcome to Arts District, the podcast. My name is Sterling Shea, and today I'm joined by the co-founders of the Rebel Collective. That is Aaron Malone-Turner and Devin Berg. They are probably two of the most badass women in Dallas, I have to say. Um, I'm super excited about this organization that they've teamed up to create, and I can't wait for you to hear all about it. So here's Aaron and Devin. Well, Aaron, Devin, welcome to Arts District, the podcast. Aaron, I want to start with you because you have not been on before. Tell me a little bit about who you are, where you've been, and where you're going. Um, I am 25, uh, playwright, slash a couple other things. I write poetry. I majored in English and minored in creative writing. So I just really love writing and storytelling and everything that comes with that. But I've also been getting to do theater work since high school, but really more intentionally in college and like this point now about three years post-grad and Mm -hmm. just wanting to learn as much as I can about theater, filmmaking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Devin, how about you? Tell us, tell us a little bit about you. Um, I'm Devin. I'm 25 as well. Um, I'm a theater artist here in Dallas. So do a lot of things. I songwrite, I playwright, um, and perform uh, around town. So, yeah, I call myself a theater artist now because that just encompasses everything. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think we're definitely making a circle back to that old Hollywood era where you had to you had to be good at a little bit of everything. Like, oh, you were not just an actor. You were, you could juggle fire and also sing <laughs> opera, and then you could have a career. Right, right. I think so. <laughs> so how did the two of you meet? We were in the first impressions festival at Imprint Theater Works in 2019. It was the second mm-hmm. first impressions festival. So I think it was 2019. Yeah. And we were in that together. And that's where we met. Yeah. yeah. And we were playwrights in the festival. So we just got to talking and then kind of just stayed connected after that even Mm -hmm. over social media or like various playwriting events around town. Right. And then, yeah. I mean, I feel like I never really saw you after that first time. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, we had each other on social media, so we just kind of kept up with each other that way and talked and everything. And that particular day, a couple months ago, we were just FaceTime and like just to hang out. And we had a long conversation, really wonderful, like honest conversation about where we felt we were artistically and all the things we wanted to do that we maybe felt like we weren't being given the space for, the opportunity for, or maybe even just holding ourselves back for various reasons, because who doesn't know what that's like? Um, And we just kind of came up with this idea and we're like, let's actually do it. Let's just not say <laughs> it, but let's let's be about it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Those are those are sometimes the best friendships too, where like you meet once and then it goes digital. But like <laughs> those are truly some of the best friendships. So 
this idea that you guys had, what is it? (laughs) Um, Well, we started a theatrical group of sorts or an artist group of sorts called Rebel Collective. And people are always like, well, are you a theater company? And we're like, not exactly. Um, (laughs) We're just a, a group of artists that create a trusting space for each other to explore uh, and realize some of the maybe more, you know, controversial, new, bizarre ideas that we have um, and kind of aid in the uh, realization of those, um, whether that be on stage or, you know, something else. Well, great. So Rebel Collective, so it's a place where you can go to bring ideas, hash things out, talk about maybe your grievances within the industry itself. Yeah, yeah. Is that all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're a place, our uh, our motto is creativity, authenticity, and possibility. So we're really a place that celebrates each other and all parts of each other. Um, You know, it's a place where you can come and learn new skills. We want to, you know, create some workshops in DFW when things get back to normal um, where people can learn new skills that maybe they feel like they're lacking in and not only learn from professionals, you're learning from your peers. Mm -hmm. And that also just builds on the trust that you have with each other. Um, But yeah, we're also a place where if you're like, Hey, I want to do Romeo and Juliet, but they're on the moon. We're like, all right, well, let's see how we can make that happen. Let's workshop. I did three little pigs on the moon and this is what worked for us. And this is what didn't work for us. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really just the place where people can come together and feel like they have the safety to maybe put an idea out into the universe and actually Mm -hmm. believe that it could happen. Right. Like we, when we first talked about what we wanted this space to look like, like Devin said, we knew we are not exactly a theater company. Like we're not going to be like, this is our 2021-2022 season. It's not really going to be like that. I mean, we definitely want to stage things that we're working on in the future, but it's not going to be like, we're doing this show, this show, this show, this day, this day, this day, and that's going to be it. Like we want to do all kinds of things and still have ideas and um, like, the beginnings and of plays or performance pieces or the process of it still going on in the background, because we always want, like she said, we always want people to feel safe. Like they can bring us all different kinds of ideas. We want people to feel like they will be heard and like their idea and thoughts and opinions will be valued with us. Even if the idea is maybe like strange or wacky or anything like that, or whether we're, like me and Devin as playwrights or people bringing their own idea that they want to write or maybe direct, like if they want to write a new show or kind of reconceptualize a show that already exists. And we want to be a place that people can just come and be the truest version of themselves Mm -hmm. because that's a way that art really flourishes if you feel like you're allowed to be yourself and whatever ideas you really have like deep inside you that you want to see happen, why shouldn't we be allowed to at least try and go for it and see how it works? Yeah. I feel like, especially growing up in Texas where we're one of the only States that made theater into a 
competitive high school event, <laughs> it, that competition wiring in your brain is very, very deep and it's hard to get rid of. And so to have a place where it's like, look, we're not here to take something from you. We're not here to steal your ideas. We're here. You can just come as you are and hash something out. That sounds like something we could all really, really benefit from, especially now that we're feeling so separated. Yeah. And we definitely want this to not only be a place for like theatrical and artistic expansion, but also um, a place where you can come and meet people and build new friendships and new relationships and even like network with people Mm -hmm. who are your age. Um, Because we had a long conversation when we were first starting out about how there's not really like ample, strong space for young emerging artists. Mm-hmm. And also like, what is the point where you stop being emerging and you're just an artist? Does it depend on your age? Does it depend yeah. on how many things you have on your resume? What does it depend on? Like who decides who's emerging and who's just an artist? So right. we really wanted to create this space for like young people who are trying to find their footing and trying to find their path and want to explore all these different things in a safe space, but also feel like they're backed by a community that's not based in competition. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. And along with the idea of even, even though it's so hard not to compare, I mean, I do it relentlessly comparing myself to other playwrights, for instance, or other poets, but not like Devin is saying the idea of being emerging or not like new amateur, whatever you want to call it. Like I would call myself that for everything, like any kind of skill set like that I felt I had, because even though I started doing theater work as an actor, I did not feel confident. I was not really being given a chance with my high school or college theater department. And I didn't, okay. I didn't major in theater. That's important to say. Uh, like I said, um, but I, I felt like I was always going to be an emerging playwright. I felt like because I didn't major in theater, my college only offered one playwriting class. So that's all I got to take. And I just felt like that didn't give me enough credibility to say I am a playwright. I just felt like I had to say, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to get my work out there. I get featured in festivals or different things here and there. I'm, I'm trying, but I didn't feel like I ha- even had the right to say I'm an actual playwright who is continually growing and learning like any other playwright is. I felt like, oh, maybe I need an MFA, mm-hmm. you know, first before I can call myself that. And I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't have to feel that way. And I think it's something that I've learned just within this world Mm -hmm. that I need to have stacks and stacks and stacks of productions or degrees or awards before I can say, this is what I am. And I have the right to take space here. And that's not true. It's not true for any of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard um, there was a great interview from Jessica Chastain. And she said, if you do one thing every day that makes you an actor, then you're an actor. And I clung to that for a long time, but now I'm reaching the point where I'm like, I don't have to do something every day that makes me an actor. I can just be a human and 
still be an actor. <laughs> um, so the, mm-hmm. that's great that you've, you, I think you came to that realization quicker than I did. So I love that. What kind of events, I mean, have you guys had any gatherings online yet? Yeah, we have a Facebook group. So if anyone listening is interested in joining our Facebook group, you're welcome. But we have had a couple of Zoom parties considering the global circumstances. Uh-huh. Um, we had, uh, we call them town halls, uh, just so that it gives the connotation of people coming together for a common goal. So we've had a couple of those. Um, we want to do more things. Um, when things get back to normal, we're hoping to have uh, a monthly community event just so that if anyone, if there's anyone new to the area, we can get them plugged in or just to see your friends once a month and ensure that there's going to be a space for you to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah, we've had a couple events where we want to plan some more, um, especially now that things seem to be getting quote unquote better. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, I, I was going to some like chamber of commerce and girl gang networking parties for work. And I was like, why isn't there something like this for theater? Like I would love to go to wild detectives and right. everyone's invited five o'clock, get a drink ticket. And everyone get down to Bishop cider cage. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. That would be so cool. And also I feel like I was, um, because I just had my one year anniversary of being in Dallas and I was trying to like chat people up in the audition waiting room, which is either great or people are like, I'm in my zone. Right. Please don't. Right. <laughs> so I, know. I was always like, I really need to find these people in a, somewhere else. So that would be super dope if we could just start having some happy hours. Right. Yes. When I moved back to Dallas, I felt like I had to like, and I think a lot of people feel like this when they move back to any like theater metropolis. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to push my way back in and be like, hi, it's I'm Devin. It's me, you know, and it feels so awkward. It feels so like fake and push. <laughs> and so like, I really want for like younger me and anyone who moves to Dallas or, you know, comes from somewhere else, it doesn't yeah. matter. There's, it, it, I, we want it to be like, oh, you're new here. Well, come to the Rebel Collective meeting, you know. Right? So sweet. <laughs> right? Oh, well, there's the Rebel Collective meeting on Wednesday. We're going to go do this. I would have totally gone to that, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are you guys feeling? I'm going to just kind of move into some other stuff. Like we can have a mini town hall right here, like a mini sample. (laughs) I was really feeling really bummed the other day that because it felt like all the other industries were reopening except for live events and live theater. Have you guys done any brainstorming on safe ways to bring theater back and like what's safe for an audience versus what's safe for the performers and the stagehands? Yeah, I think it's, it's hard for me personally, just because I feel like filmed theater is not the same mm-hmm. as right. live theater. 
And I think the whole live aspect and the being in the room with the audience and with your fellow actors and feeding off all that energy is why I fell in love with theater. Um, like the human connection aspect of it when you're talking about things relating to the human nature and all these musicals and plays. And so I'm kind of of the camp where I really miss live theater. I think there are ways that we can do it safely. Um, and I think some theaters in town are doing a wonderful job of that. Yeah. But yeah, it's a hard situation because it, it truly is not the same, but it's of that idea where you're like, well, is it ever going to be truly the same? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the big question that we're facing now. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. It's it's just, I've I've watched some Zoom play readings online it's just not the same. I mean, you're looking at a screen and the actors are all in different places. There's technical issues that are just no one's fault. Mm-hmm. It's just online stuff. And it's just not the same. I saw so many plays last year. It was insane. I kept a list. And I think I saw like 50-something different shows last year. Yeah. And it was just incredible. And I, I miss doing it so much. I miss it so much. Yeah. And it's... I agree. There are definitely ways to do it safely. I've talked to some people who have a local kind of like DIY theater company about different ways to do it safely. So I think there will be soon some very cool, inventive ways to present live theater safely. I think it'll be really cool to see. Um, I also think what we're focused on now in terms of rebel collective is we really want to take this time to build the community Mm -hmm. um and to to bring people our age who are missing theater like us together and really take the time and put the energy into creating that trusting space now Mm -hmm. so that when we are able to come back and have live theater we'll be able to come together and get something out of the gate quickly and not in a rushed way, but we'll be excited and pumped up to come back together and start working on stuff. Yeah, right. I, I think it, it really hit me when I had to get on a flight a couple of weeks ago and it was full. There was 150 people on the plane. I sat next to someone I didn't know and I didn't know that was going to be the situation going in which is probably my fault. I didn't read the fine print, but the lady that was at the um, counter at American airlines was like, Oh yeah, it's a full flight. And I was like, Oh, she means 25% full. Mm -hmm. And then we sat down and people just kept getting on. And I was like, how, how can they operate at a hundred percent? And I think it's, I mean, it's really because, our community has more of a reverence and it's not so money, 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 like an airlines industry. But I was just like, this is making me so mad that mm-hmm. this can happen, but I can't go back to theater. It just made me sad. Yeah, that's so true. Like even the school I teach at has been open this entire time. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just think about like, there's so many other things that so many of us are not getting to do that means so much to us. And there's just other people or corporations or whatever, just not taking the most responsible route when all of us are like basically desperate to find the, the, the safest, most 
responsible, look out for your community way to make theater happen again. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we want. So you two, since you're both playwrights, did you get anything going during quarantine? Did you take that time to like decompress and step away? What was your quarantine like? I took the time away uh-huh. uh, for a long time. I think since since March, I've kind of been away from it, taking that time to just be with myself, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like perform the ultimate amount of self-care, which is to really look within myself and be like, what are you? Who are you? What are you doing? Who do you think you are? You know, um, so that's what I've been doing. And then now I feel like, since September started, really, I've kind of been itching to get back into something. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure what that is yet, considering the circumstances. But yeah, I really kind of stepped away from theater at the beginning and said, you know, I was supposed to be in a show this summer and then it was obviously canceled. And I was like so devastated about that. And after that happened, I was just like, I'm done for now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a break because I'm yeah. so upset. Yeah. Um, and now I'm feeling like, okay. I think I have a renewed sense of hope. Good. Surprisingly, with all that's happening, I somehow do. What does like self reflection look like for you? Is that like meditation? Is it long walks? Oh, so much. Um, Lots of of the above. All of the above, honestly. (laughs) Lots of journaling. I think, I mean, I think I talked about this last time I was on the podcast too. Um, Self care is is self discipline. Sometimes, mm-hmm. and I like live by that. Of course, you can have your night where you um, go to Central Market and watch How to Be Single. As that's my night. That's my like <laughs> night. Um, but then I think sometimes, you know, especially now when we have so much time, which can seem really horrible, but it, you can also look at it as a blessing to to really look within. Especially me, I'm 25. And, you know, I, I want to find the path that I'm supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. So I'm like really trying to journal and go on walks and look within and be like, what are your true goals for life? And what kind of person do you want to be? Mm -hmm. Um, I also think it's important to remember, like, you can change your life at any time, any moment. Yep. That's so funny. You say that because 25 was, I'm, 27 I'm acting like oh long ago (laughs) two years ago but 25 was the year that I woke up like not happy about my birthday and I like freaked out because it seems like this weird number that like you were supposed to have it all together and I was like I charge dollar menu to my credit card I have to like I have to get out of here (laughs) and I was in Los Angeles and I like call I mean my agent did all the things you're supposed to do as an agent which is like try to talk you out of it but I was like look these people that stay in Los Angeles for 10 years and get breadcrumbs I was like I'm not willing to do that I was like I I can admit that I'm just not willing to do that well, it's, it's really about deciding like what is important to you yeah. and not worry about what other people are doing, which is 4,000% easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but really sitting down and being like, what's important to me? What do I value? 
-hmm. and where do I want to go? It's, there's this quote that's like, I'm trying to, you know, see my future as something that's, see the space between where I am and where I want to be as Mm -hmm. uh, exciting and not terrifying. I don't know who said that quote, but it's all (laughs) Pinterest. Um, but I think that's like a really good thing to live by. It's like, it's, yeah. yeah it's and really- it, it wasn't easy because I had so many friends out there who really thrived in LA and are better people for it. And I was just like, I felt like the crazy one because I was like, I want a house. <laughs> I, want, I know I want my credit score to be better. <laughs> yeah. I used to live in New York and I just hated it. I hated it. I don't know if it was the time I was there or what was going on in my life, but I was not having a good time. And mm-hmm. yeah, I have friends there who love it and are thriving, but I am so much happier here yeah. than I would have been there if I would have just stayed because I was like, well, I have to, you know, yeah. Yeah. like, <laughs> kid. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Darren? What have the last <laughs> few months looked like for you? Um, for me, uh, when I when quarantine and everything first started, or re- when the pandemic really got kicking, um, since I didn't really quarantine because I was still going to work, lol. Um, mm-hmm. I had just finished two shows. One of them was in Imprints New Work Festival again, and then one of them was at the Luck and Booth Theater in Fort Worth. And so I was. I was on a kind of theater high already. I was really like amped up about what's next. But then all this happened and I was like, I don't think I can write for a while. Mm-hmm. I kind of lost motivation for playwriting for a bit, but I ended up writing a lot of poetry during that time, which was something I had kind of put on the back burner just because I was in a place where I was needing to write a lot of plays just because I had a lot of opportunities come up. And especially with the with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. I was writing a lot of poetry to try and process a lot of what was going on. And I'm not going to get too much into that because I will talk forever. But writing poetry really did help me to work through and deal with a lot of what I was feeling as a result of everything. It really did help. And I think that was a good time for, for me to step away from playwriting a little bit. But that being said, I was still, um, I was still outlining. I was still planning for plays. I just knew that I w- it wasn't the right time for me to write them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was okay with that. But now I'm starting to, I just started a new show that I've been wanting to write for a couple months. So that's fun. But I mean, I just miss, I mean, I miss everything. I've been trying to write and act like things are normal, but they're very much not. Um, And once I realized like, oh, this isn't just going to be like a month. And then, oh, this isn't going to be over by the summer. Mm -hmm. And then I turned 25 last month. And for me, that was a point where I had kind of set up for myself in my head, like my whole life to be at a certain place in my life, which I'm very much not. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't like weeping or anything. Well, just a little bit, but I, I mean, I definitely had this moment where I was like, Oh wow, I'm a quarter century and I'm at this job and I live in uh, this place 
which is fine. And I mean, it just wasn't where I thought I would be when I was 25. Yeah. And I had to also do a lot of journaling and a lot of, a lot of self-work and a lot of, a lot of conversations with myself, kind of similarly to Devin, which also we are both Enneagram fours. Very much so. So I was we have about to say, and that's for. <laughs> no, yeah, we have some. We have a lot in common, especially in that area, just in how we deal with things and how our emotions tie into how, how the expression of our emotions, rather, like ties into life and the way that we relate in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it does look like a lot of introspection and a lot of vulnerability, which is hard, even for me. Um, Because it's not easy. I don't think it's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be honest and it's supposed to be real. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also just a lot of trying to figure out what kind of stories do I want to tell? What do I want to put out into the world? When am I going to stop trying to impress other people or write the things that other people are comfortable with? Especially when it comes to being a Black artist who is trying to not be apologetic about that anymore. And that took a long time for me to learn, like for real. Mm. But um, that I, I think I've really allowed myself to accept and start to move forward in that I want to be more proud and outspoken about that because mm-hmm. it's a part of my life. There is no hiding it. Um, and I want to not let that keep me in one position or one space when I want to take up more space or be in another space. And why not make the space for ourselves? Hence, Rebel Collective, you know? So, I mean, that's that's a lot. I learned a lot. I'm still learning a lot. I'm always learning a lot. But this was particularly a good time to inwardly look and figure out a lot of things. Yeah. What are the ways that you're hoping Rebel Collective can make better spaces and make a better industry for the Black community? I think, okay, personally, I have experienced a lot of gatekeeping within theater community. I think a lot of times that's just how it is. And it's unfortunate that, I mean, I ha- I've worked with uh, Soul Repertory Theater, which was founded by Black women and mm-hmm. does Black theater. And it's incredible. I, I love them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just reminds me that in a lot of ways, we don't feel welcome or safe or appreciated within the theater community or film or whatever kind of art people do as a whole. Like we don't feel completely welcome, valued, appreciated, all that stuff. So we have to make our own space. And again, it's great that we have the power and the opportunity to make our own spaces. And I love that other people have done that so that I get a chance to be a part of that space because I know that they'll welcome me, you know, unless they just like have a problem, which has not like been the case. Mm-hmm. But I think what, what I have learned from those experiences that I've personally been through and that I know other black people have been through just because it's a part of life is that when you when you make that space, you have to be sure to bring other people with you. And you have to be sure to let other people know that there is a space for them 
within this space, with at that table, whatever kind of metaphor we want to use. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just going to be me saying, oh, I'm here with Devin, like, bye, like, I'm not worried about you. No, I did this because I want to bring other people with me. I want to bring other Black people into this space so they know that they have a safe place with us at Rebel Collective. And that also does involve a lot of work, which some people or some organizations may not feel comfortable doing, which is to get uncomfortable and ask why they don't more intentionally seek out Black artists for their spaces Mm -hmm. or why they are led by white people and don't have Black people on their board or on their directing team or anything like that. It's, It's things that I notice and other Black people notice, but I think white people sometimes don't notice because they don't have to really think about it. Yeah. Because it's not their issue and it's just how their lives are as opposed to how my life is oftentimes feeling unseen or unheard or underappreciated when I know that I'm capable of the same things as white people are. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it involves seeking out Black artists for sure. Like not Mm -hmm. expecting them to come to me because they might not know I'm here. They may not they may not know that we are here with this space. We have to go find them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just are like, "Oh, we we we're here. The door's open. Come on in." But if the people are down the street at a place where they don't feel welcome, they might not know that we are here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and both things can be true. Like I one of the last things I did before the shutdown was an all women's sketch comedy show and it was yeah, I had an incredible benefit of just knowing oh, I'm just going to a room full of women today and like how exciting that was. And I felt like I could leave parts of myself behind and just, you know, like I had that benefit. Right. But then on the other side, like, oh, I still want to be part of the theater scene at large and get my benefits that way too. Exactly. I love it. Um, well, how can I join the Rebel Collective? We're open to anyone and everyone who wants to join. Uh, like I said, we have a Facebook group. Uh, we also do most of our communication through Instagram. Okay. Um, so you can follow us at Rebel X Collective. Um, and that's where we, we post most of the information about town halls or any events we're going to have. Everything will be on there. And we also do a lot of inspirational and get to know me stuff. So it's just yeah. <laughs> you know, a fun thing to be a part of. Um, but yeah, we have some ideas in the works. Yeah. Nothing concrete yet, but um, we try and do a good job too of not just being like, we have ideas and not telling anyone. If, if you're a part of Rebel Collective, you're a part of every stage of anything that's going to happen and you know, uh-huh. we're all, it's a, it's a 100% collaborative effort. And Aaron and I are just at the helm of this very, yeah. <laughs> so super. Well, can you give us your Instagram and Facebook handles so we know where to keep up with you? Yes. So on Instagram, we're at Rebel X Collective. And then on Facebook, it's a private group. So you have to join it. <laughs> so I know it's so fancy. Um, but so it's just to make everyone feel like they're safe. Uh, but so you can friend me on Facebook, Devin Berg, and I will let you in the group. Um, let me know you're here for Rebel Collective too. Yeah. We also have a Twitter. 
but we we're gonna tweet on it. We promise. We will. It's we're gonna be more new company. <laughs> it's gonna be more of a space for us to post like nice little good morning, go after your dreams, like stuff like your stuff dream. like that. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's nice that like it's like um Lynn Manuel Miranda does his like good morning and good night tweet. Yes. It's like oh <laughs> It'll be our little journal. But yeah, we basically have, we have um do we want to say what's what's in the works, Aaron? Let's let's give the people <laughs> a, a sneak an peek. arts district <laughs> exclusive. And <laughs> a truly an arts district exclusive is about to be laid down. <laughs> so a few things we have in the works right now. The first thing um we are going to do when it is safe to do so. We are going to do a gender twisted production of Spring Awakening. <laughs> okay. Um, we want to be one hundred percent inclusive. We want to represent every uh, single sexuality, race, gender on stage. Yeah, with a show that is traditionally very much about how education uh, is corrupt in America, how um, we are not taught some things, and that is detrimental to us, or we are taught a certain narrative. Uh, especially a narrative of shame. Uh, so it's very much going to be translated into 2020 terms. Yeah, it should be really exciting. So that's in the works. So Spring Awakening was the first show that I ever saw my husband in. And <gasps> oh, so it was like, I heard him sing. And I was like... <laughs> Who did he play? <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I'm not going to remember. It's whoever Skylar Aston played in the oh, Broadway. Um, Georg, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's Georg. Yeah. That seems right to me. Ooh, he I has mean, some high notes. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. I love that so much. <laughs> so that's awesome. What else? Uh, well, I really, really want to write a sci-fi piece. I'm very much into science fiction, like reading novels and stuff but i've also gotten to read um a lot of sci-fi plays or plays that play with uses of enchantment or magical realism whatever you want to call it and i very much love it um and so i'm wanting to branch into that and learn more about it i've spent the past couple months like connecting with playwrights who very like who that is their specialty um Mm -hmm. so i've been working behind the scenes on that and also, I, I want to make a project that centralizes sign language and deafness on stage. Mm. That's always been part of my passion, goal. Um, I've been signing my whole life because I have a deaf family member. And I've just gotten to learn and see and meet so many people in the deaf community and just get a good look at how how the world was not made for deaf people or mm-hmm. for people with any kind of any, any kind of differently abled people. Um, and so that's one thing that I really want to focus on is bridging the gap between the deaf community and the hearing community when it comes to theater, because it's when it does happen intentionally and like with a lot of respect and patience and grace, then it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Even though I did not get to go see it, I have watched every video online 
about the Deaf West revival of Spring mm-hmm. Awakening on Broadway. I love it so much. And I would love to see what else can be done like that. Yeah. And there needs to be more than Tribes and Sweet Nothing in My Ear that features oh, deaf characters. Like, I, there's two that I know. I know. So. Probably both starring Marley Matlin or <laughs> like someone else. And there is so much deaf talent. I, I, there, it's, it's there. Mm-hmm. The same, it's, oh, I could With go on the forever. same ferocity as a hearing actor. Absolutely. Exactly. And it, I just, I, I want to see it and I want to be part of bringing that kind of art to life. Like mm-hmm. not just, not just having interpreters on the side yeah. under a spotlight in their black outfits you know and a lot of places don't even do that a lot and the fact that like my uncle is deaf and he like he he has never been able to come see one of my shows that I've written mm. because he just can't understand his lip reading is only going to go so far when there's multiple people on stage and also it's different when it's your family because you know you've been around them your whole life you know how their mouth moves but with actors like it's it's very much different and so it's just not fair that people who are deaf or hard of hearing can't access and experience theater in the same way that we do because it's not the mo- it's not really inclusive for them. It's not thinking about them. Mm-hmm. So I want to do something like that. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I just know I want to do it. Yeah. And I want to do it with Rebel Collective. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best show I have ever seen in my life was called Pumas Negras, and it was all in Spanish. They had subtitles come up on a screen, but they were telling the story with their bodies so well that I was like kind of watching it to check in and kind of not. And like, I mean, I talk about that show all the time because it was so moving. And I think I know that playwright had to have faced a lot of if they can't understand it, an American audience is not going to sit through this. And it's like, no, they will because it's fantastic. Yeah. So that's great. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I truly, truly, I'm so excited that this exists and um, I look forward to being able to gather with you guys in real life and yes. And like bounce some ideas off of, Right. The team. Well, hopefully, we're hoping to have a socially distanced uh, event soon. So okay. yes. keep on look out for that on our Instagram. Hey. Yeah, stay tuned on the socials. Wild Detectives, their patio is open. <laughs> it's open, Let's y'all. Give it <laughs> Let's lock that in there. Okay. Well, Devin, Aaron, thank you so much for being on. And I'll see you on the, the Twitter and the <laughs> socials. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, friends, that was Devin and Aaron, the co-founders of Rebel Collective. I'm so grateful to the both of them for creating a space where I can show up as myself, ask dumb questions, get some wisdom, and make friends who share my interests. 
I really think Dallas was missing an organization like that. So if you want to get in on the fun, follow them on Instagram at rebelxcollective and join their private Facebook group. And while I have you, I want to make sure you are registered to vote. I believe the day this episode comes out is the last day to register if you're in the state of Texas. So please get on top of that and double or triple check your registration just for good measure if you haven't already. All right, we'll catch you in two weeks. Bye.